You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. I would say that the majority of use, and this is just a sweeping generalization, are probably um, from interior town usages, you know, because there's lots of little villages and settlements, and uh, a lot of people use it to get from point A to point B. Um, and then, of course, you have the use where it's more travel the whole length or from town A to town B. Um, we see over 1.1 million visitors a year. That was Lou Dodson, Florida Keys Overseas Heritage Trail Manager, and I'm Misty Ridley-Little, your host for the podcast. In my endeavor to showcase the Florida Trail, I'm trying to reach out to land managers where the trail passes through. And while the Florida Keys Overseas Heritage Trail isn't on the Florida Trail directly, it is on the Eastern Continental Trail, and many Florida Trail hikers traverse the area on their way to or from the Florida Trail. While I've never walked the entire Florida Keys Overseas Heritage Trail myself, I have spent plenty of time in the Keys, and listening to Lou talk about the myriad of wonderful places to see along the way brought back a lot of memories. All right, on to my conversation with Lou. Well, Lou, maybe you wanted to start by introducing yourself and, you know, your position at uh, DEP and just how long you've been working uh, in the Keys. Well, my name is Lou Dodson, and I have been with the Florida Park Service uh, since 2012. I was promoted to this position as the manager of actually five different parks here in the Florida Keys. Um, in the in February of 2020. Okay. So I've been in charge of the trail for a short time compared to how long it's been here, but um, it has been a wonderful two years, a challenging two years with the uh, COVID situation pretty much hitting uh, about three weeks into my tenure here. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been um, a unique learning experience, not one that I think anyone else has had to learn quite the same way. But um, before that, I was the assistant park manager with Cape Florida, Bill Banks Cape Florida State Park in Key Biscayne, which has connections with the Keys as well. So that was a nice transition for me. And I uh, started my career with the Florida Park Service at um, John D. MacArthur Beach State Park in Palm Beach County. Okay. okay. Prior to that, I was a volunteer all across the United States. I've lived full-time in my RV for over 20 years. Oh, wow. And I worked for various state and federal agencies um, throughout that time period. One of my other favorites is on the other side of the world at um, Big Sur, California on Highway 1. Nice, nice. So are you from Florida originally, or you just came here through work? I was born and raised in North Carolina. And um, my husband taught school here in Florida um, back in the 70s when he moved here. And he moved to North Carolina where I met him. And then we, I, he started bringing me to Key West in the 80s. And I was like, can we move there and just come home on vacation? And um, so we moved to Key West in 1989 and lived there for 10 years. And then sold everything and took off in the RV and started traveling the United States. So um, not original Floridian at all, which is a typical story. Um, You know, they always say when you come back to North Carolina that you're a halfback. You 
went to, to Florida from the north and then got halfway back and stopped in North Carolina. But I'm just in Florida. Yeah. So after my travels, um, I got salt put on my tail by the uh, Florida Park Service in 2012. And I've been a permanent resident of Florida since then. Perfect. Well, so what are your duties as a manager of, of, the, of the various parks that you oversee? Like, what is a typical week like for you? I don't think there is a typical week. Um, I would say that any day can be um, outside, in a boat, in a truck, on a bicycle, on foot. Um, it kind of just depends on what comes up. But um, I do spend a lot of time sitting right here looking at this screen. Um, a park manager does a lot of the administrative duties of running parks. And as I mentioned, I have five different parks that I oversee. Uh, two of them are islands. One of them is underwater. And one of them is a, a quarry that supplied the um, raw materials for the overseas heritage or for the overseas railroad. And then, of course, the trail, um, which runs all the way from uh, Key Largo to Key West. So in the administration of the trail, I deal with um, lots and lots of different entities, uh, you know, from state agencies to uh, different villages, townships, counties, uh, DOT, you name it, <laughs> I deal with them. Yeah. So, um, you know, it just depends on what's going on in any particular week, but it's never boring. Never right. Boring. It doesn't sound boring. I mean, you could be all over the keys in the, the span of the week, you know. <laughs> exactly. yeah. And that's not a bad thing, you know. Um, just tra traversing. We do, not that I do it every week, but I have two assistant park managers. And my assistant park manager for the trail um, travels up and down the trail once a week for inspections and to do trail counts. Uh, so we have automatic counters located in various spots along the trail, and we keep up with our visitation. Even though we don't charge for utilizing the trail, we still turn in that visitation, those numbers, um, to the state for record keeping and yeah, when we want to beg for money. And yeah, right. <laughs> well, I mean, we can go back a little bit. Like, how did the Overseas Heritage Trail begin? What was it in its former life? And a little bit of background on that and how it all came to be. Well, I'll start with my connection to it, just briefly. Um, when I lived in Key West from 1989 to 1999, this was a pipe. The Overseas Heritage Trail was a pipe dream. Um, literally, it was conceived of and try, people were working towards it and we thought it was never going to happen. And so what a wonderful thing to come back to the Keys after all these years and for it to be a dream come true. Of course, as I'm sure some people are aware, it was originally the uh, Flagler's Railroad, um, the Key West extension from um, the homestead area all the way down to Key West. And I think that if Henry Flagler had had more money and more time and uh, more willing laborers, he probably would have tried to build the railroad all the way to Cuba. Yeah. Okay. He certainly had those grand dreams. And um, so the, the majority of the trail traverses either along the actual railroad 
tracks um, or they or on the highway or adjacent to the highway that was later constructed um, in conjunction or to you know connect the mainland to the keys. Okay. And um, you know the railroad itself started, I believe, well, the conception of it was back in the 1890s, but um, between 1902 and 1912 is when we actually had workers here uh, constructing this amazing um, facility. And of course, it started out as Henry Flagler's Folly, that's what everyone called it, because it was thought that he was pretty much crazy. <laughs> and um, it ended up being the eighth wonder of the world because it you know did almost the impossible of bridging the span between all of these little islands out in the middle of the ocean. Now, when did the railroad was it, was it the nineteen thirty five hurricane that it kind of went away that it was damaged so badly? Yeah. Okay. The Labor Day hurricane of nineteen thirty five. Um, pretty much wrecked the railroad and um, certainly put an end to its usefulness as a way of travel of life at the same time. Okay. Um, now when, so when did the roads become built in the Keys? How did that happen? Um, well, I think that with the destruction of the railroad, uh, the railroad afforded a new um, economy for the Keys, because the Keys, believe it or not, everyone associates us with blue oceans and um, you know recreational activities. But at that, at the point that Flagler was here, it was mainly an agricultural area, and so his railroad afforded uh, farmers in the Keys the ability to bring tropical fruits and vegetables to market and to expand the economy of the Keys. So the um, highway was, I don't know the exact date, and I'm sorry for that, but um, it was conceived of to continue that economic prosperity for the Keys. And then once they saw that farming wasn't always going to be what uh, worked because there was very little topsoil available and was becoming exhausted for, from farming, um, tourism became quickly became uh, the goal. Um, you know, a lot of our state parks revolve around tourist camps and that type of thing. And the, the highway was put in. Actually, you may, I don't know if you've ever seen the video, but it's a fun little video of people driving their Model T Fords down the railroad tracks. Oh, wow. No, I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, a pretty bumpy ride. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so even before there was pavement, people were driving to the Keys using the railroad because there was only one trip per day. And the, the little uh, tourist verbiage was that, oh, once the train passes by, you can just drive on down. <laughs> right. Well, so you mentioned earlier, you guys keep tabs on, on visitor usage. Like, so what is a typical, what are residents and, and visitors to the Keys using the trail? I mean, I'm sure they're not walking the whole length like some of the Florida trail hikers would do. Um, so what's typical uses for, for the, the Heritage Trail? I would say that the majority of use, and this is just a sweeping generalization, are probably um, from interior town usages. 
you know, because there's lots of little villages and settlements, and uh, a lot of people use it to get from point A to point B. Um, and then, of course, you have the use where it's more travel the whole length or from town A to town B. Um, we see over 1.1 million visitors a year. Oh, wow. That's wow. A, a typical count for us. And, of course, we have all kinds of uh, different usages between. And the other thing that sees a lot of use are the bridges. So the bridges that are, of course, part of the old railroad tracks um, have been converted so that people can walk out on them or ride their bicycles out on them. And lots and lots of people come to go fishing. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, my time in the Keys, I remember just seeing most of those bridges are just full of people out there. They get yeah. their little tents set up and they're, they're there for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't encourage tent set up on the, the bridges so that they don't block people's uh, passageway through. But a lot of people do have shelters set up. We have cantilevered platforms off of some of the bridges that allow people to to be out over the water a little more and that's where a lot of people fish from as okay. well there's actually even a service now um that has they they call themselves the land charters and they actually help people to fish off the bridge like you have a fishing mate in a fishing boat except they're in a van and they come and park in the parking lot, but they bring you the fishing poles and the bait. And oh, you... okay. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. No, does it... Wow. I mean, that's, a, I mean, it's a neat place, neat way to, um, I don't know, make a living, I guess. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, if, if there is an unusual way to make a living, you'll find it here in the Keys. <laughs> Everyone tries to have their own special niche. Yeah. Um, well, are there any particular access points uh, that are most popular that folks might want to know about, like anywhere that they would want to get on and, and go for a walk or, or take a bike ride? Any places you can highlight? I think that the whole trail, um, it's, it's hard as a manager. I love it all. Um, but I do think that we're surrounded by some outstanding natural areas. The trail itself runs parallel to Highway 1. So there, um, if you're looking for quiet, pristine trail, this is not it. But what it does afford you is the ability to connect with some gorgeous areas. Number one, and of course, it seems um, obvious for me to say it, but you're surrounded by the ocean. And you're not surrounded by just any ocean. You're surrounded by the beautiful turquoise blue waters of the Florida Keys. And on any given day, as you are riding down the trail um, or walking down the trail, and as you come to any bridge, you are um, graced with this sweeping vista of that, those blue waters and that blue sky. And there are many days where you can't tell where the water ends and the sky begins. Um, then on top of that, of course, we are connected to many other special places, crocodile, um, a crocodile wildlife refuge, the National Wildlife Refuge for the Crocodiles, um, the National Key Deer Wildlife Refuge. Um, culturally, we connect, of course, with Key West and um, the Fort Zachary Taylor and all of the historic uh, fort structures there. 
And I think, too, the White Street Pier is a great place. That, that's at the very end of our trail in Key West. And that has a beautiful AIDS memorial um, with uh, sculptures and engravings. And I just, I can't even think of all the different places that we go because practically it all is gorgeous. Um, Grassy Key area is where the trail comes the farthest away from the highway. And there's a visual or a plant barrier between the actual trail and the highway. So that's, that whole stretch is the most um, non, what's the right word? It's the, the best area to go if you don't want to look at cars going past. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Well, and that, of course, um, on one side is the tree barrier. On the other side is Curry Hammock State Park. And there's trails that lead into the state park from our trail. Okay. And we have 10 different state parks along the, um, the Overseas Heritage Trail, five of which I manage. And then the other five, all that have camping, um, such as John Penn Camp, Coral Reef State Park, um, the Curry Hammock, Long Key, Bay of Honda, um, you know, all the way down to Fort Zachary Taylor in the U.S. Okay. And, um, you know, you mentioned, obviously, you know, this was built by Henry Flagler, and there's a lot of historic use uh, in the, there's a lot of historic things in the Keyses. Anywhere that, um, you know, you'd highlight for folks to visit, obviously, Fort Zachary Taylor is probably full of history, <laughs> but any other interesting historical sites or moments that people would want to look for when they're, when they're walking or biking the trail? Oh, definitely. So to clarify, Fort Zachary Taylor is not on the trail, but the trail ends in Key West and you can right. get Zachary Taylor. But along the trail, of course, the, um, the historical nature of the trail and that you are walking or riding and you are seeing um, the, the railroad bridges and you're experiencing the incredible um, engineering that went into creating those structures. And you can also see off, um, offshore some of the other structures that didn't get built. So, but I think the one that really stands out for most people is the Seven Mile Bridge. Um, that has just reopened to the public. So of course there is the new highway, Seven Mile Bridge, but the old Seven Mile Bridge, the section that is safe to, to uh, be on, is only, only accessible to walkers and to bicyclers. And it ends at the island of Pigeon Key. And I think that that's probably one of the nicest areas that you could traverse and really see the history in front of you. Because Pigeon Key is available to you um, with all the historic structures there as well. Okay. Okay. And, you know, the Keys are a um, interesting area because it's a little tropical. You're still getting some of that mainland uh, interaction there on the north end with the Key Largo. Um, but is there any interesting flora and fauna that you especially love or you want to highlight for folks to keep an eye out for when they're walking? Well, the, I think that in general, the um, unusual or endangered habitats. And where you get away from the, um, the townships and the villages, you're passing through hardwood hammock, 
which is, um, all, I won't say it's an endangered species, but it's getting rarer and rarer due to the increased development that occurs along the corridor here. Um, you're also going to be passing through mangrove swamps, and mangroves are an incredibly important part of the Keys um, habitats and environment because they protect us from hurricanes, and they provide a habitat for uh, small mammals and for fish and shellfish to grow up. And we, uh, you also will be passing over seagrass beds. And those, of course, are the nursery of the ocean. So without those um, seagrass beds being healthy and protected, you wouldn't have a fishing industry. You wouldn't have a diving industry. You wouldn't have a coral reef offshore. So really, there's not very much of the trail that you go through that's natural, um, that's not unusual and special. And what those things um, make the keys what they are. I would say off, right off of the um, trail, you definitely want to go visit the Key Deer National Wildlife. Yeah, for sure. Those are some special little animals. Yeah, yeah. I love to see the key deer, and I was so worried a few years ago when that hurricane came through. And luckily, they are, they're survivors. They are tough, tough animals. They are. It's amazing. Um, they can swim, which most people, um, it's counter, it's intuitive to think of that, but they love to get in the water. Um, most of the time when you see them, they're usually damp from swimming. They eat mangrove leaves and, um, their, their biggest challenge right now, of course, is fresh water. There's been a shortage of fresh, fresh water on the, the refuge in general. And um, it's something that the uh, Florida Wildlife Commission is looking into right now. Okay. How they can help them have fresh water. Right, right. Are there, I mean, just speaking of that, are there any like residents uh, on Big Pine or anybody trying to leave fresh water out for them? Or is that mostly just leaving? Are they not They're in trouble? They're not encouraged to do that just because you don't want to encourage a familiarity with humans to the point where the deer uh, right. get by cars or things like that. So I'm not aware that anyone is putting water out. They're just mainly testing the salinity. Um, here in the Keys, a lot of our fresh water just sits right on the top of the soil surface. And it can appear and disappear based on the amount of rainwater we get. So um, those little lenses of fresh water, they test all the time for salinity levels. Okay. That's where they're at with that particular project. Okay. Okay. Now, you mentioned you're not overseeing the, the camping state parks, but maybe you could talk a little bit about those what you know about the camping opportunities for folks who are traversing the whole trail. Um places they might want to stop uh, at some of those state parks that are that are worth worthwhile to, to spend the night. Okay, well, the first thing I would say to anyone who's planning on camping in the Keys is that make a reservation. Um, right now, there are always a few campsites that are held back or held in reserve for walk-ups or bike-ups, but there are not very many, and there, as you heard from my usage numbers, there's a lot of people out there who are utilizing the trail. Um, it starts in Key Largo at John Pennecamp State Park, where yeah, they have a campground, and um, the next campground down would be at Long Key State Park, 
It is not open yet to the public after it was damaged um, by Hurricane Irma, but they are getting really, really close. And I know everyone's excited about um, having that campground finally reopen. Uh, just after Long Key is Curry Hammock State Park with a beautiful uh, campground and a nice little beach that goes along with it. Of course, you have Bay of Honda, which is, I think if you were going to say it, it's Spanish correctly, Bahia Honda, but all the locals call it Bahia Honda. And um, that campground fills up very, very quickly. So that place really would require a reservation, sometimes a year in advance for that. There are private campgrounds along in that same area and private campgrounds up and down the Keys. But again, they're very popular, especially in the wintertime when most people find it the most comfortable to bike and walk. Um, after Curry Hammock, you've got, um, of course, no camping at Fort Zachary Taylor, but there are um, some private campgrounds on Stock Island um, right before you get into Key West. Key West, okay. Now, I also know that there's quite a few events up and down the Keys throughout the year. Is there anything that coincides with the use of the Overseas Heritage Trail? Um, there are multiple events that um, coincide with usage, and I won't be able to list them all off by name, but the one that I think of off the top of my head is there's a wonderful, um, it's called Smart Ride, that is a, a bicycle race that benefits um, the AIDS Foundation, and that happens every year on the trail. Of course, um, in conjunction, not on the trail itself, but on the Seven Mile Bridge, is the Seven Mile Bridge Run that we just had uh, two weekends ago, and they shut down traffic on the bridge and for, in the morning so that all these people can run the, the, the entire length of the bridge. And we have several marathons that um, originate in Key Largo. So, and lots of veterans rides. Another one that's very special that doesn't occur on the trail, but on the highway has to do with the Wounded Warriors program, and they actually ride all the way from Key West, I mean, from Key Largo to Key West. And um, that's very special, and we try to support them, even though they're not utilizing the trail, they're right there beside the trail, and we're excited to see, to support our veterans. Right, right. Now, you traverse the Keys on a daily basis or weekly basis, do you have any of your favorite locations, I mean, on or off or just adjacent to the, the Heritage Trail? I really like the Seven Mile Bridge area. Um, it's one of the few areas that we uh, have right now that has a lovely picnic, um, two picnic pavilions and have with a nice, it's level with the ocean. So you can sit there and have a, a nice picnic and watch the water change colors and then you can choose to walk out on the Seven Mile Bridge. And um, if you want to pay admission, you can go on to uh, Pigeon Key and learn about history. Uh, the other places that I think of um, are definitely Bay of Honda. It's another one of my favorite places just because it's got a great beach. And you've got, a, as you are going by on the trail, you can look and see the old railroad trestle that was the original overseas um, railway and have a sense of history as you go by it of what it must have been like to be on a train out over the ocean and traversing from you know, the mainland to 
Key West. Yeah, that's just that's an iconic uh, area for sure. I've seen you know yeah, so many people go there and they take pictures, and I have my own pictures from there. So, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, Bahia Honda is one of the is a gym, and uh, I mean, it definitely sounds like Florida State Parks are just like Texas State Parks and dealing. I mean, and a huge influx of crowds, and so seeing it be being used is great, but also knowing that there's just so many so much pressure put on the parks. By all the visitors um yeah there are we try you know the florida park service mission is to provide resource-based recreation while preserving protecting um those are things that we have we struggle with every day but i can tell you just from these last two years with the covid um, pandemic it's been amazing to see that people were able to utilize our parks as a way to recreate and to recreate healthily um, and be okay. Um, I'm proud to say that we could provide that space for people. And the trail was a very large part of a lot of people being able to get out and to get exercise and get sunshine um, safely and without worrying about uh, possibly being exposed because they're you know in a beautiful outdoor situation right right now i think you've said uh quite a little lot of about your favorite areas and is there any last minute um you know local venues or parks or scenic areas that you would recommend uh folks to just check out even if they're coming just for the day pop in you've mentioned the seven mile bridge i think that's a favorite one but anywhere else in the keys that you you think people should visit I think you should visit all the keys. Uh, <laughs> that being said, why don't you come to Ala Mirada and see all the other parks? Um, that definitely, when there we've got a lot of offshore things, so you can traverse with the trail, but then you may need to bring your kayak with you to paddle out to some other islands. Um, I have Lake Invited Key, a botanical state park, and Indian Key Historic State Park on either side of the trail, um, one on the bay side and one on the ocean side. And then also have a shipwreck that you can snorkel. So if you want to park your bicycle and, and don your mast fins and flippers or mast fins and snorkel, um, you can go out to the San Pedro Underwater Archaeological Preserve. That being said, I also think just for biking, um, the area around Grassy Key, as I mentioned, is the most remote, and I put that in quotation, yeah. area um, on the trail that gives you that sense of not being in traffic, that you're on a trail in a park and you're going from, you know, point A to point B. Um, there is, and then again, once you get into Key West, there's all the historic on the, and the trail does take you right past beaches and swimming areas. Yeah. So I can't think of a bad place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm mentally going down the keys into my head and going, ooh, I really want to go here. I'd like to go there and stop for a uh, lobster Reuben. I'd like to go here, you know. <laughs> All sorts of good stuff. Either driving or biking or even walking, but you know, when you're operating a, a machine, that is paying attention to the road as well as to the views. And um, I was a national park ranger on the Blue Ridge Parkway in North Carolina. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But we also um, 
used to say that, enjoy the view, but pay attention to the road. And I think that's very true of biking in general on the trail. We strive to keep it safe and um, comfortable riding um, facility, but you know you always want to not take your eye off the traffic or take your eye off the surface for any great length of time. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, if hikers or bikers want to come and do the Overseas Heritage Trail, is there any websites or guidebooks or anywhere on social media you recommend checking out? So glad you asked. <laughs> uh, I would, of course, very highly recommend that everyone go on to our Florida State Park website, www.floridastateparks.org. Um, on that site, you will find a wonderful, the inside that site is all the information about the Florida Keys Overseas Heritage Trail. And the best thing that you can have there is an interactive real-time map of the trail. So you know, once you get to the map, you can tour along the entire length of the trail and see what it looks like, what's going on. We publish all of the current uh, constructions or any blockages that may be occurring. And we try to keep that as up to date as possible so that people can really see what they're going to experience before they even get on the trail. And then we also have recommendations for uh, different amenities and different uh, sightseeing um, opportunities along the trail and other uh, organizations and other parks that are available to you. I think it's really the best thing you could possibly check out before planning a trip. Okay. Well, thanks, Lou, for uh, chatting with me today, and I appreciate getting to know a little bit more about the Overseas Heritage Trail. And, I, I, and in, you know, a lot of hikers extend their Florida Trail hike and start there in Key West and walk through the Keys. And, you know, I, I've heard, heard so many different stories about people who've enjoyed the hike. They've, you know, sometimes, you know, walking on the road isn't the best, but they, they've enjoyed the parts and the aspects and the people they've met in the Keys. And, um as more and more Florida trail hikers do start their hike in Key West instead of in Big Cypress. Um, I thought it was just important to showcase that a little bit for, for hikers to learn a little bit more about it. So I think, thank you for uh, coming on and, and talking with me today. And if you have any last minute wisdom or any words you'd like to impart, uh, feel free. Well, I appreciate very much your highlighting this section of the trail. Um, I, after spending 20 years on the road, have gone to many different um, sections of the East Coast Trail, and I'm very proud to be a part of a bigger picture of getting people outside and enjoying the real Florida and, of course, the beautiful East Coast of our United States. So I hope everyone will respect and take care of Florida Keys Overseas Heritage Trail, and um, I hope they'll enjoy it. And, you know, I would encourage anybody who's local to our area, uh, reach out to me if you are interested in volunteering. And we can use all kinds of support on the uh, trail from interpretation to um, maintenance and cleanup. Somebody wants to adopt the bridge. Uh, we welcome your presence. So thank you very much for your attention to our beautiful park. 
That's it for my conversation with Lou Dodson, manager of the 40 Keys Overseas Heritage Trail. I'll have information in the show notes about the 40 Keys Overseas at the Orange Blaze podcast on Instagram. Thanks for listening, and until next time, happy hiking.